May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This to me is like the really fascinating material. We don't know what the answer is, but we're looking for patterns. I think we're looking at kind of a type of cosmic alchemy. The story slowly Still, a lot of people don't know that this technology actually exists. The possibilities here are pretty mind-blowing. Okay, we're back on Conspiracy Normal. This is going to be an odd, interesting night because I guess we're formally doing a fourth romper room because Rob has not yet recovered from his <laughs> two-week birthday party. He'll do it to you. Yeah, yeah, it will. It will. He, he's feeling bad. He's feeling sick. And uh, Alyssa was what, gave him a communicable disease. So, or I mean, not that, not the, not the kind that you're thinking of, but just you know, like a cold. So uh, we don't know because uh, you know they they might have detected conspiracy normal was getting recorded there, and they might have started bombarding him with microwave frequencies or something. So yeah, okay, well, interesting you say that because I have an email that I want to read at some point. Someone sent us about something like that. Uh, so juicy, yeah. But we were going to have Peter Robbins on, and I had to re- I rescheduled that one because. Uh, Surfiel, you got your job just sucks. Yeah, they they prevented a conspiracy normal show. Well, not they they didn't quite because here we are. Yeah, yeah, but and we we have our good friend Heather on the line. Hello, good friend Adam. Good friend Heather, how's it going? It's going pretty well. It's been a while. It's are, been a hot minute, as they say here in Tennessee. Are you caught up with the uh, with the show? No, I'm up to okay. I just finished two fifteen, which 215. by the way, thank you for having some more women on the show. Oh yeah, that's right. That's the Loris Blue Raven, <laughs> isn't it? It is. Okay, you got any thoughts yeah. on that? Since you've heard yeah. that show, we'd About love that. to hear your thoughts on that. Um, I definitely want to check out their uh, drawing the spirits. That sounds pretty cool. 
um, as a concept. Oh, okay. That's Melissa, Melissa and John. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. I'm sorry. That's, yeah. that's, the, that's the one I just finished listening to. So Lars Blue Raven is a woman too, though. Yeah, that's true. Did you hear that show? I think you, uh, you might have. That sounds familiar. Yeah, I believe I saw She's the one that said she was being mind controlled by Rush. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So I was listening to that one in like the dead of night while I was working on a book. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do book restoration. And so like I was down in the basement. It's dark. It's like three in the morning and I'm listening to this and it's starting to wig me out a little bit, to be honest. And, but then I had to have like a little bit of a reality check, like rush, really? (laughs) But, um, (laughs) but I think, I think you kind of hit on it. Like, it sounds like something that they must have made her think it was rush. Like that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Like, cause mm-hmm. she clearly believes this and she seems pretty sure. sane otherwise. So I kind of feel like this is a, this is a situation where she has been made to believe um, that she was being um, harassed by rush. Yeah. I really do buy her story. That's the thing I about it. Too. I really do. I mean, there, there were people that, uh, I got a lot of response from that show and people told us, and I'm still getting responses from that show. It was amazing. Okay? With, yeah. res- really with amazing. respect, I don't buy it. Okay. That's fine. With respect that's fine. To her, that's I fine. I, but I would tell you, I would say, you know, read, com- read Camilio. I don't doubt. And then I, I don't doubt. Then go, then revisit that interview and see how you, how you I don't doubt it. half of the possibilities of the things she described existing, but I don't, I don't buy it. Okay. Yeah. But I don't think that it exactly was what she thinks it was. Yeah. You know? And that's kind of the problem is that they can make, they can make you think that it's a certain thing. And the fact that she may have some kind of possible, some kind of mental issue Mm-hmm. also makes it even more ambiguous. Right. You know what it reminds me of was you had a guest on once, uh, I don't know, like a hundred episodes or so back where he was describing a scenario where these people were walking down the street in the middle of the night and like at a garage or something, they both saw some figures doing something out in the street. But then as soon as they passed through the area, like it, it turns out that they saw the same thing but like it was now i see now now i'm just rambling but like what it what it turned out to be was that like they saw an image of something that was totally different from what was actually there like it was an implanted image Uh and that's what it reminded me of immediately and of course the camellio stuff which you had had an interview with a guy talking about um the camellio stuff robert guffey and that was another really that really blew my hair back that with, was just such a wild ride. With the whole rush thing, though, I could see how it's like uh, implanting the absurd into something would be is a good cover, a good, you know, I could see how that could could be beneficial. So you implant like something that most people are going to be like, come on. Yeah, well, that's the thing is like, are they trying to drive people crazy with this stuff? You know, th- I think this is a good. Good but also here. what she was talking about isn't like some grand conspiracy. It's it's really yeah. what she's talking about was that the private sector people now are just doing things like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's gone from that very um public 
so-called public yeah, to the private to the private yeah. sector, and that technology is there. So I think this is actually a good place for me to read this email. Yeah, go for then, it. Then you know, because I got an email just a few days ago, and I finally got to respond to it yesterday. But this person did tell me, you know, I can I can read it. Um, so this is interesting. Uh, she, I believe, this is a this is a woman. She says, "Dear Adam Sane." I've been enjoying your podcast for a few months. Your questions and comments are always interesting and, for me, educational. I don't agree with some of your guests, but the topics and conversations are intriguing nonetheless. I was catching up on a few podcasts when I came across the Solaris Blue Raven episode. I was dismissing her as an overexcited rush groupie until she spoke of how her controllers had methods to control a person's physical actions and make them hear things. I was inclined to dismiss her claims too over the top, and her voice was a little manic sounding to me. But toward the end of the podcast, an odd memory came back a memory of unusual events that happened to me in 2013. Apologies for the length of the account. I tried to edit, but some things could not be left out. First, let me promise, let me premise by saying I am an artist, and for the last few years, I have been creating images related to the human brain and use MRIs and other science imagery for reference. Secondly, I am not a drug user. I've never taken psycho drugs or been treated for anything mental related. Coffee and wine were my worst vices. I am very careful about what I put into my body and had a complete physical a few months before the events. The doctor said I was in great health. At the same time, I don't take myself too seriously and think flexibility in thinking is always a good thing. I'm not inclined to be too suspicious. There are still a lot of good people in the world. If I had heard of mind control, I don't really think it could be a, it could be a real. In the fall of 2013, I took part in an art event where you allow the public to wander in, view, and sometimes buy your work. Hundreds of people moved through my studio space, but I recall some interactions that sort of stuck out. Three neuroscientists, a biogeneticist, two filmmakers, and two Google executives. Interesting conversation ensued, and they all took my information and a few bought work. Having these sort of people in an art studio is not in itself that weird, as the city had so many of them, and any art event attracted a percentage of this crowd. I have taken part in such events before, but the timing in relation to all the events might be significant. About one to two weeks after the viewing, I started having what I think were anxiety attacks. I would feel like I had to get out of my apartment and couldn't stand being there. Up until this time, my apartment had been very comfortable. I lived on the third floor in the back of the building in a corner with a great view. Soon after the anxiety attacks, I started hearing a voice. The first time I heard the voice, it said something like, You don't know what you are doing. Stop trying to pretend. I remember thinking, What the hell was that? And also to myself, You've got to be kidding me. The voice I remember most was male, 30 to 40 years old perhaps, who sounded mildly amused saying semi-sarcastic things like, Why do you want to do that? You have no idea what you're doing. You're going to be sorry. All the comments were negative and seemed to be aimed at adding self-doubt to my thought process. After a few instances, I decided to blow it off as just echoes from the neighbors. Some part of it was a little comedic and likely just a weird fluke with my brain ever working. If my psyche was taking a weird turn, it was taking a doozy of a path. But a part of me was a little troubled by it because they seemed to be actually in my head in a way I can't explain. The audio was pristine, very clear and clean. 
If it were coming from my own mind, why was it male and its tone unfamiliar to me? If one hears voices from possible craziness, shouldn't the voice in your head actually sound like you? And the things said were not things that I was inclined to say to myself. All the comments seemed designed to tear one down, but instead it, but instead it just pissed me off. After it happened a few times, I started to get sarcastic back and vocalized things like, what are you supposed to be? You must not have much of a life to be spying on people. Junior, you need a new gig. I didn't take it seriously because it seemed to be the kind of thing that crazy people hear, and I knew I wasn't crazy. I did suspect that somehow, in some weird way, that someone was trying to mess with my mind, but why and how was that even possible? I dealt with it by focusing on my physical health, hiking, taking in the beauty of nature, and forcing myself to get more sleep and socialize more. I did not share the events with anyone. My friends were open-minded, but this was too weird. I worked my job, made my art, and kept going as before. I basically decided to shut it out. All this seemed to help, and the anxiety lessened, and the voices were all but gone. Maybe my refusal to pay attention made it less fun, but then another weird thing started happening. On occasion, my hands and arms seemed to move independently of my control. At first, it was at home and seemed a little amusing, but then not so much. I started to experience weird things out in public. Once in a restaurant, I watched my hand reach out and put a lot of very hot sauce on my food, making it inedible. Another time, I watched as my hand stretched out and put pepper in my friend's drink. Within seconds, I knocked it over with my other hand and was able to make an excuse to leave. These were things I would not conceive of doing, and they seemed very hurtful towards myself and others. Only once do I recall more than my hands and arms being involved. I poured myself a cup of coffee and sat down to drink it with a pastry. But instead, I abruptly stood up and started walking outside barefoot up to the roof. I managed to regain control of myself, but I was a little shaken. For a few moments, I felt like I had absolutely no control over anything my body was doing, and instead, I was being carried along. That event seemed to be the peak of the strange activity, and things calmed down mostly after that. One of the last times I heard voices, I found myself confronting the voice. Oddly, the voice was different and not as smooth in its delivery. Maybe that's why I took a chance to try a jab. The voice started again with its, you're not very smart, are you? Sometimes, I, Somehow I managed to remain calm, although I was angry, and said something to the effect that, you people are really sad in your efforts to hurt and control people. You have no concept of humanity, and you've sold your souls for what? Ego, money, promotion? There will be a special place in hell for people such as you. The voice was silent, and I wondered if my punch landed in the area intended. I never heard it again. Altogether, the weird event seemed to last about three to four weeks. I did go back to the doctors for another checkup, and she had some tests done which showed that somehow my chemistry had changed. My electrolytes were off, and she suggested supplements. I made no changes to my diet and was getting more sleep, so the chemistry shift made no sense. I was ready to dismiss this whole series of incidents, but for what happened at the end, a strange coincidence regarding the apartment. When I gave my notice to move, my neighbors told me they were sorry to see me go, that I was relief from the previous resident. They said she was crazy and was always confrontational. The story I got from one neighbor was that she was a political activist and very involved in a number of protest groups leaning hard left. Another neighbor said she told him that the CIA were tracking her and trying to drive her crazy. She told him she was on some sort of list and they were making her life hell. 
It got so bad that she couldn't work and was evicted. Her neighbors chalked it up to drugs and general eccentric craziness. Her mail continued to land in my mailbox even after four years of returning to sender. One neighbor said they saw her at the front of the building looking for mail and handed some off to her. Oddly, I never crossed paths with her. After hearing about her story, I decided to look her up online. She had apparently tried to change all her personal information, name, residence, etc., a number of times. I didn't find much, but her handle popped up on a forum about government oppression and mind torture. She had engaged with others making the same claim. All this seemed too ridiculous to even consider, and soon I couldn't even give it any time to think about the possible ramifications. In another city, my mother was diagnosed with a terminal disease, and I made the decision to pack up and be with her. So after all this happened, I left the city and didn't think about it again until I heard the podcast. Listening to Solaris did make me consider, what if? Had someone trying to target the previous tenant somehow mistook me for her, or did the art event instigate the series of events as I crossed paths with the wrong someones, or was it all just my imagination? This might seem odd to some, but I never thought of the whole situation as being anything paranormal. While I do believe there are paranormal possibilities of dimensions and beings we don't understand, I intuitively felt that this was not that. I had the distinctive feeling that someone was somehow trying to mess with my head using earthly gadgets to see if they could get certain reactions out of me. I could see how it might drive someone over an edge, especially if they were inclined to be depressed or mentally unstable. I think taking care of myself physically had helped to remain calm and not let it get the best of me, but whether it came from my own mind or somewhere else, I really have no idea why it happened or why it ended. I've not experienced anything like it since. After listening to the podcast, I felt the need to share this experience, but I am not interested in connecting to those claimed to be targets of dark government or corporate weapons. If it was a real project, I think it was a little too close, and I may have dodged being collateral damage. No point in testing the universe. Feel free to use my experience and the education of others if you wish. Sincerely, a listener. So. Whoa. Yeah. About that. Quite incredible. Pretty wild. Uh, very elaborate. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Very elaborate and very interesting. Had you read? Right. I'm glad that she didn't try. Right. Yeah, that's that's the, the whole email. Either. And yeah, it was rather long, but I think it's interesting to go ahead and just read the, all of that. Because that's as interesting a story as anything that I've had any of the guests talk about. As far as remote mind control possibilities? Yeah. Um, or anything for that matter, really. <laughs> that's That was, that was pretty What was incredible. the breakdown again of the... the- group of individuals that she met okay i'd have to go back and look two uh two people from google she's not even sure that that is um who it was but when you get around people like that i would kind of almost lean towards that there was something going on that was that was targeting the apartment but she says three neuroscientists a biogeneticist two filmmakers and two google executives that's quite the motley crew. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to assume that this is probably either Los Angeles or New York. Where people like that hang out. Yeah. And the amount, as she said, that uh, there's a lot of uh, art galleries in the city. 
Now, if any neuroscientists, Google executives, or uh, molecular biologists are conspiranormal fans, <laughs> we have no ill intention towards you. Right. Please don't ha- get together with your friends and, and get the remote mind control on us. Mm-hmm. So any thoughts on that, Heather? Yeah, I, I like, and I kind of favor her interpretation that this was mm-hmm. probably something to do with the previous tenant. Like, that really seems like to target um, three weeks. That's a lot of stuff to happen in, like, a three-week time span. But, you know, as, as you're reading it, the wild thing is that, and I've mentioned on the show before when we spoke on the mm-hmm. topic of mental illness, I do have an uncle with schizophrenia. And yes. I mean, those are all the classic signs of schizophrenia. And, uh, you know, the, the voices, and no, they don't actually sound like your own internal monologue or your own voice. And they do actually have crystal clear sound. Like, it really does sound like there's a literal right. another person in your head or more. And the whole, like, movement of your limbs that you're not controlling, mm-hmm. all classic signs of schizophrenia. Um, I don't know how that ties into, like, the electrolytes out of whack but but at the same time it really does seem to have a connection with the previous tenant who also displayed signs of right uh you know mental illness um, it's just a wild story and you know she hasn't really had any problems since so that seems to discount yeah. a, an actual chronic mental illness like schizophrenia because i would go away i mean you do have episodes of it but it's not so like then that opens up possibility for a lot of different done. phenomenon that um you know, maybe it's some kind of weird poltergeist type of thing or haunting. Does. Who knows? Or it could be some kind of technology that mimics that. Right. Because that voice to skull technology, that definitely does exist. Yeah. And that could be all it is. But then what would explain the whole... How much, how much money do you think it takes to set up your own little system oh, to do something it's like that? Be uh, it's got to be done in favors. Uh, I <laughs> I bet it has to do with, like, favors, not money. What a bunch of losers, then, man. I think, like, the real mind control that's making people money and power in the world is, you know, not through messing with people, you know, random people's heads and putting voices in their heads. There's real mind control of the masses going on through the same games that have been always played, you know? And, of course, this also begs the question, like, then what of all these people who have been diagnosed with schizophrenia before who might actually have been targets of something yeah. like this instead? That's a good way to get rid of people is to make them crazy. Right. Yeah, well, that's, the, that's the thing is that you don't know. There's that fine line there. And it, it wouldn't be too hard with any of that technology to try to mimic the symptoms of schizophrenia. Right. Obviously, with this person that emailed, they were not. They were not going to buy it. They right. were buying into it. Um, there was there was resistance. There was a definite resistance there. So when that happens, obviously whoever was pulling this off must have just gotten bored. And at a certain point, she leaves that environment. And everything stops. So it was something that was going on in that environment. Right. And the person that she had said was there before her in the apartment had apparently been into all these left-wing causes. So did that make her somewhat some kind of a target? 
because that person is engaged in something that maybe the government or somebody finds to be unacceptable? Well, we know that the government has targeted left-wing groups before. This is nothing new. Um, I mean, you don't have to even reach that far back in history, but the first thing that comes to mind is the Black Panthers. um, Yeah, go tell, bro. Mm -hmm. Systemically tried to make them seem like um, like the bad guy. And, um, they, they pushed it on media and they, uh, turned cases around and, um, killed 27 people in it. Oh yeah. Stormed into apartments and just murdered everybody in there. And I mean, this is nothing new. And we know that the government has engaged in false flag terrorism. And so like the idea that um, they would target someone who's posing a problem or digging too much or might know the wrong person at the wrong time. Like, totally believable. Totally believable. Yeah. Now, how they got caught up with this next lady who happened to live there, maybe they were testing to see if it would work on her too. Um, or maybe they didn't get the memo that that chick had left. Or maybe they were just making sure that she had no connection to the previous tenant or something. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, and as we said before, it doesn't even have to necessarily be government. It could be private. It could be private industry. And private has, yeah, and that line now, so in this kind of stuff, I mean, that murky world in between the two, where government needs private to do things that they can't do, and private has the most to lose from people who want to regulate and stop them from making money doing whatever they want to do, so it's pretty weird. So moving on from this subject, you had contacted me, Heather, uh, not (laughs) too long ago about something we said on the show. You actually had something you wanted to take us to task about. Well, so I'm a long-time listener since the beginning, and I think this was the first time I've ever had anything actually like a negative response to one of your shows. It was was the, uh, the article that you had read on the air... I think it was from Jezebel, or maybe it was Vice. Uh, it was some article you read on the it was air. Vice. Vice. It was Vice. Yeah. And um, and it was talking about uh, the school shooter who had shot up the school because he couldn't take no for an answer from a girl, allegedly. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. And the article in question that you had read was calling people to task about how uh, that story was being worded and presented in the media, mostly in headlines, saying things like, boy shot up school because he, this girl rejected him. It, it, instead of placing the onus of responsibility on the actual shooter, it seemed to deflect it back to a girl for saying no. And um, the article was taking uh, writers to task for that kind of representation. It really elaborated from there about the toxic masculinity culture that can arise and um, kind of affect the, the way we tell stories. And what I took issue with was actually when you'd finished the article, reading it out on the air, you know, you turn to your co-hosts there and ask for their opinions. And what I actually took issue with was it, at the start of y'all's conversation about it, all of y'all seemed to kind of say that you didn't like the article, you didn't like the way it presented the ideas, that it was tearing down all men instead of just toxic masculinity and also that it was um 
that it was saying that it's a larger problem than it really is that it's really just we're all animals and some sometimes humans act more animal than human and it's not necessarily a male problem it's but then by the end of y'all's discussion y'all had actually talked yourselves into actually agreeing with the article and you all started saying exactly what the article had said um which y'all started out one way saying no we disagree with the article and by the time like the end of the five minutes or however long you spent on it by the end of the five minutes or however y'all kind of talked yourselves into just saying yeah we disagree with this article but we're going to restate exactly what the article said and that's how we feel about it <laughs> which kind of stuck in my craw a little bit i gotta be honest um I, i'd have to go back and listen to yeah, that particular know. particular episode and see because like that article when i read it i really did agree with it mm-hmm. so i don't know sometimes with like um I'm the one that reads the articles or finds the articles and then I'll spring it on these guys. <laughs> yeah. So they won't, so, so they won't have like, they won't be very well prepared. Well, you know, when they, before when I got on the air with you it. tonight, before I got on the air with you tonight, I was like, what are we talking about by the way? <laughs> yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And it was just such a minor a, grievance too. I don't want like people right yeah. into the show being like that, that B I T C H, you know what she got a problem with you guys. This is such a minor grievance, really. I love you guys. I love the show. And and y'all did point out by the end of the talk of you know on that topic, you said you know we're not we're totally not advocating for men to go shooting up a school if they're rejected, you know. And, and you know yeah. what y'all were actually talking about being against was toxic masculinity, but y'all just didn't call yeah. it that. Um, and I think we talked about these like weird subcultures that are growing and the implications of that and it's like it's bad for everybody yeah it is. um and i think that's something that really needs to be explored but i don't know if i really like touched on it like this but yeah i think we really got to psychologically explore the stuff that's going on and i think a lot of the the media hype you know i mean it's it's all offensive and terrible but the media you know it's a good story and the way they flip stuff into just being this demonization instead of like understand we have to understand what's going on because this stuff is crazy if people are making whole subcultures to murder people and i mean it's really strange things yeah the incel stuff is really scary yeah it's it's terrifying and we really have to address it and figure out what's going on and i think i think one of my critiques i don't really remember but it was like the way that it's that it's kind of exploited and the stories are exploited like bothers me. Cause I think we really got to get to the heart of this stuff, but I don't know. It's, it's really weird, but I did, I did feel like they were kind of playing clickbaity, uh, identity politics stuff. And I'm, and I'm not like a right wing red pill type dude at all. Um, but it was it's I think it was really my problem was like the media portraying the media portrayal and the media like being just exploitative of these tragedies like this. Vice has been known to do that. Yeah, of course. Very, of course. Yeah. I mean, they like it's weird with Vice because the, the television show, I think, is is very, very good and very well done in exploring what's going on in the world. But for some reason, the internet, their internet presence is just, it just it's, it's either just garbage about porn or it's <laughs> just really out there kind of 
way into the left wing kind of stuff. Well, they're different audiences. Well, they have, right? cl- yeah, yeah, they have like, like they have all these clickbaity like titles and stuff that like to piss off more conservative people. Yeah. Like, what the hell are they doing now? You right, know, like right, that's what right. seems like almost all. Right. Yeah. But it's just I, to get a rise out yeah, of people. But I definitely welcome the criticism, any of it. Yeah, I think I think part of it too, Heather, and we are all dudes, and you know we don't have a lot of we don't have yeah. as much uh, female perspectives as we, as we should have. So hey, if ever I, need I, a vagina, I am here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I I I think too that they're with us. That there was that you pointed out, and that I've kind of taken to heart is that we kind of had that knee jerk reaction where we were like, oh, we're not like this, guys. We're not. This isn't where we are but that's a lens to understand really what's going on right now with a lot of people and people who aren't as introspective and stuff as us are like really knee jerk and then they just are dickheads about it (laughs) yeah i I, i've come to really appreciate the cool-headed nature that you guys generally tackle topics even when i don't agree with y'all um i i still really appreciate the perspective y'all are coming from because it's not my perspective and i can learn from it even if i disagree but um like I said, it was such a minor grievance. And after how many years you've been doing this? If it's taken that it's been many six, years, it's been six years. Yeah, yeah, six years. I finally have a show where I'm just kind of like that didn't sit right with me. I mean, I think that's a pretty good record. Uh, but well, let me ask you this. That's good for this community we're in. Yeah, yeah. Let <laughs> me you ask you me. this. I'm pretty. I'm pretty strongly feminist. I'm, I'm pretty pretty feminist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean. It is natural for us to have that knee-jerk reaction where we're just like, well, hey, guys, we're not like this. This isn't us. But do we really need to say that? I mean, and I think, you know, and I have this conversation with my dad. My dad and I get in political discussions all the time. Um, like, he's such a, gosh, such a righteous dude, you know? And I think for righteous dudes who aren't total dickheads, when they see the word, to- you know, the phrase toxic masculinity, it's like immediately they're on guard because they're mm-hmm. they don't display toxic masculinity. So why they don't they don't quite connect. But like locker room talk, guys, you, you've been there. You've been a part of it. You may have just been privy to it, even if you weren't participating. You know, that stuff happens like yeah. all the time everywhere. Like my dad talks about it at the yeah. place where he works and. I mean, I've heard, well, look, there's also like toxic femininity. It is a thing that exists. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I think I haven't really, I've just thought of this. And I haven't really ex- expressed it publicly, but I think some of the knee jerk reaction that goes on to, to the critique of what's being called toxic masculinity and stuff. I think a lot of it has to do with when you're, uh, well, we're all like gender studies here right now, but when when you're uh when you have to grow up in that toxic masculinity, it's like you, it's almost like this crap that you had to go through, and I feel like a lot of men get defensive because it's like almost like something, I don't know exactly how to explain it, but it's like uh we're victims of it as well, and like especially the you know at its core of of when it gets to violence and things that it's like a, an attack people feel like it's an attack on everything they've had to do to establish their identity and it's weird but i i don't know how sense. if i really articulated it right but it's like 
I think a lot of the defensiveness comes from like the cost of uh, your socialization of, as a male. And, you know, if you still have to deal with more traditional quote, you know, upbringing and things like that. That's an amazing insight. I love that. Cause it, what does it that make like any saying, sense? Yeah. And I want to just say it back to you to make sure I understood what you were saying, but it sounds like you were saying that because um, even though you didn't accept toxic masculinity as part of your persona, you had to slog through all that being bombarded with it, you know, um, growing up. And I'm sure puberty is, is like the hardest part of that, but like going through all that, you've, kind of built your your personality and your sensitivities on uh as an opposition to that that's part of your identity as being in opposition to that kind of toxic masculinity so when someone talks about toxic toxic masculinity it's kind of like that's built into your identity even if it's as a as a contrary to that does that make sense yeah and and as a as a victim of it Mm. i mean you know I mean, my sister's a really big feminist, and so she's definitely schooled me on a lot of things. But, uh, you know, that's a big thing in feminism is that that men are also victims yes. of the patriarchal society. As someone who's so a much so, fun, like, that really worries me. Yeah, yes. yeah, and so much so that this whole capitalist patriarchy that's, I mean, it's it's literally slaughtered hundreds of millions of us in the name of these social constructs i mean it's like you know like we're the cannon fodder i mean it's like so so like we're the cannon fodder of toxic masculinity you know we're 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 born into it and ingrained in it socialized into it so it's almost like this uh it's this thing that everyone carries you know and everyone's been a victim of also so i think it's it's like even like you said, it's ingrained into your identity, no matter how. So like any attack on identity, as far as psycho- psychology is concerned, that's emotion for people. That's right. how all this Objective. politics and everything works. Yeah. So makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. That's cool. No, we, we definitely need to hash out a lot of, a lot of these ideas. One of the things that gets me about when well, people talk about toxic masculinity, I, I have seen people say toxic parentheses white masculinity Mm. and i the only reason i would take any kind of umbrage with that is that they're singling out just white when really all men if any race can suffer from this it's true i mean the whole idea of masculinity is i mean if you take i mean just take hispanic culture not to beat up on them but there is a the whole idea of machismo it can be pretty negative. Well, I was actually going to say, it, it, the idea of masculinity, while it is obviously tied to the male trait, which, you know, isn't just a, a race thing, but different cultures do express masculinity in different ways and do have, they have a different kind of uh, relationship with the males, you know? So, like, African American cultures have a different kind of toxic masculinity than uh, white men have to deal with, than... Sure. Hispanic men have to deal with they you know they all have their different kinds of um, toxic masculinity that they deal with however uh, in in our nation white men are the ones who are mostly in power so they're the ones who are most troubling right now when we see all these kinds of horrific things happening it's usually done by white men um, 
you know, we had that that poor woman, uh, Miss Tippett, who was murdered not too long ago. And immediately, you know, all the pundits want to start dragging her corpse around, either to build a wall on top of... Oh, Molly Tibbetts, yeah, yeah. And, okay. you know, <clears throat> there are some reports that are saying that she was actually murdered because she said no to his advances while she was jogging. And then there's some other people who are trying to lay it squarely at the foot of him being a brown person, you know, who's not really an American, even though his lawyer says he is actually a U.S. citizen lawfully. So... Um, all of that aside, you know, just a week prior to that, we had a white man kill his wife and two kids. Um, right. And yeah, the one in Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. men uh, look, domestic abuse and murders um, are tied together. Um, people who are violent usually have an abuse history, uh, a domestic abuse history. And, if you want to start talking about toxic masculinity, I think we're going to really have to start looking at statistics and the way white men specifically in this country, I can't speak for other countries, but I can speak about this one. One in four women, uh, or e even at the most liberal statistics, one in six women are attempted sexually, attempted to be sexually assaulted in their lifetime. Uh, that's too many. Uh, but, um, I, gosh, every single one of my female friends Every single one, 100% of my female friends, and I don't know, maybe it's just a weird crowd that I hang out with, but 10 out of 10 of my friends have been attempted to be sexually assaulted or actually successfully raped. And um, that's too many. It's a, that's wild. That's wild. We got to stop and think about what are we doing to raise, and these aren't just strangers. Almost every single time, these are people that they know and trust. Yeah. So yeah. it's not just some wild, random dude approaching you in the park while you're jogging and then pulls your hair back. It's not usually that. It's usually somebody you know and trust who's either a coworker or a family member or a loved one that you live with in your house. So, and that's, that's something we really need to take care of. We can't just stop talking about it. And um, I kind of got on a soapbox here and kind of hijacked the conversation. I apologize. It's close no, to my heart. Right. That's okay. Well, and that's that's the so also like with what you know we were talking about with that with that uh the incel murders and people like that when that's publicized more than this striking reality that affects that many people you know it's like the you're right the focus needs to be on what's really affecting everybody and that's not being addressed or talked about. And then you've got men who live their lives, you know, who grow up and, you know, they're told, you know, if you're beat up by a woman or if you're harassed by a woman, you can't talk about it. You got to man up, grow up hair. All the insults that are geared towards men make them mm -hmm. sound like women. And that's bad. Woman equals bad. So we're going to call you a pussy. We're going to call you know, tell you to grow up hair. We're going to call you a tranny. We're going to call you a little girl. All these things are made to make the male feel like a female which equates with bad and that's that's wild yeah emasculation it's, yeah i mean that's what i'm talking about but how how can we how can we escape these yeah. because also this is a critique i have of the whole marxist world in its current incarnation is that 
um, there's a lot of deconstruction, but no alternatives presented, no ways, no really effective ways of changing society and changing culture. I mean, just raise that's boys. Where, that's where not, it has to happen. We just got to raise boys to know better that they can cry. To know but the thing is, boys have to deal with other boys. I know. I'm so worried that's about what, that. How, I mean, how do you... I don't know. And that's that's why I think a lot of people, you know, carry they carry all this and when they feel like you're attacking their identity when you really, you know, start addressing this stuff and they get defensive because it's all these burdens that they've had to do, all the social games that they have to play and right. and it's not they've internalized it. It's not as bad, you know, I'll just say it's not as bad as what women have to deal with on the side of it For that sure. you discussed. Mhm. But it's different, and it's violent also, and there and it has really strange sexual dynamics to it also. And it, and it mostly stunts men, and it makes them feel like they have to portray this kind of sexual uh, machismo that they may not actually have. You know, you're not a real man until you get laid, and if you're not laid, then you're a sad, sorry, virgin nerd, and... Um, but I mean, how was that, you know, how do you replace this though? So it's like, we can deconstruct all this, but I how mean, can you reconstruct something? You know, you can make laws and you can make rules from the top down, but, and I think y'all actually hit on this in an episode that I listened to recently, either 214 or 215, where like, you can make laws and that's fine, but change is not going to come from the top down. You've got to, cultural change has got to start from the bottom. And so we've got to start raising boys who, who understand the they understand the rules of the game they're going to be expected to play, but also let well let's get into yeah that, yeah you know what you don't have to really be like that you're going to be expected to be like that but when you are a man you don't have to perpetuate this culture and I think it's getting easier oh well let's get into the flip side of that then in that um, a lot of people from our community the conspiracy research community think that this is that there are engineered socially engineered efforts whose goal is to deconstruct traditional masculinity in order for a new uh, a new world order yeah they're or turning the like turning the frogs gay yeah what's going but, on. and and it's that's very prominent in the uh, black community conspiratorial yeah. and speculative and certain religious sects that's it's very popular right now that they think it's a concerted effort in particular against black males to feminize black males mm-hmm. um, as part of the general uh, what they think is a genocidal organized uh, mission against them. But you know, that's a, it's a big thing right now. And all these people saying that, Oh, you know, this is, the, the cultural Marxists in the universities who are trying to engineer society so that people will be more easily controlled. Mm. And it's pretty, it's pretty well. That's the Alex Jones. That's stuff. kind of what you come up against though. That's yeah, what you but come that's up the knee jerk reaction. That, yeah. Voice, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. 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 But that's yeah. what you're dealing with. So it's like, how do we, uh, or how, you know, how is this dialogue going to really take place? Because these people are just getting more and more entrenched. You know, honestly, with with stuff like that, and actually, I'd never heard that um, that thing that that conspiracy theory about feminizing black, you know, African American males. Oh, it's huge. I, I I'm not as up on conspiracy theories as you guys are. Clearly, uh, how, how to combat that? That's a good one. Uh, I don't know. I guess just dialogue. 
I'm, I'm a big believer if we can just sit down together at, um, I'm getting a little religious here, but if we can just sit down together at a table of Christ, that's the real altar. Let me just sit down together at a table and break bread with each other. We can solve a lot of problems. And, and I think that, yeah, that's all I believe in. I think yeah, it's gotta be, it's gotta be done at that level. It's gotta be. It has to be because it has to be the law. The law isn't written on stone anymore. It's written on our hearts. Yeah. And that means we have to, we have to connect our hearts with each other. And that's not going to help. That's not going to happen over a keyboard and ones and zeros on the internet. And it's not going to happen yeah. by the law being made up on high and then passed down to us. It's going to have to be one-on-one with each other and, you know, be the change you want to see in the world, that kind of stuff. One of those examples that you're talking about, I, I'm, I don't quite sure what we were talking about in 215 or whatever show it was, but I do remember we did talk about when the whole transgender bathroom stuff was going on. Mm-hmm. And my basic come takeaway from all of that was that congratulations we just put more rules and more laws for people to enforce i mean that's that's essentially what it came down to so it has to really just this kind of understanding has to start at a more personal level than having the government the government just legislating it to be the government's a leviathan okay and i'm not meaning that yeah. in biblical sense i mean it's just huge Asking a huge yeah. entity like little, that. Little Thomas Hobbes there. <laughs> Asking yeah. a huge entity like that to turn on a dime and then pass legislation right. uh, across all. Like, it's it's just disaster. Let the people on the ground who have to deal with this crap day to day, let them handle it. Which kind of segues yeah. neatly into the Silent Sam thing, if you wanted to go ahead and get into that. Well, one yeah, before we do, uh, let's. Uh, I want to talk a little bit because you you mentioned toxic femininity. Oh yeah. So I don't want to talk about just toxic masculinity. You know what's a definition of f- toxic femininity? Uh, I don't think because I, this I, is one thing, Heather. Not to interrupt you, but the one thing that I get is like it seems that there's a lot of people out there, and at least you're willing to admit that this exists. But there's a lot of people that will say no, that doesn't exist. Yeah, I've actually you never know? seen that phrase written in print. Or, or heard it said yeah. anywhere. This is something that, I mean, I, I guess, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only person who said it. I'm not trying to say that. But, like, I've sure. never heard anybody else talk about it. So I've just kind of formed these ideas on my own. Toxic femininity to me would be, number one, internalized um, misogyny. Um, but also, deeper than that, it would be ah, just women tearing each other down. Uh, it, it, you know, mm-hmm. the proverbial cattiness of women towards each other. Um, there's been a movement in the last ten years, uh, you know, trying to really push women to stop, to stop doing that, to stop tearing each other down, to help build their sisters up. Uh, and I'm sure this isn't new to the last decade, but I've seen a lot of push, you know, from women trying to. Uh, lean into each other and, and build each other up rather than tear them down. Um, you know, toxic femininity, I would say, would be also the negative sides of the proverbial straw man feminist. You know, the, the feminist that isn't just content with equality or equity, but what they really want is to see men brawl low. Um, and I don't yeah. know if that's in some sort of like knee jerk reaction of 
you know, years of dealing with the the crap that comes along with being a woman. Uh, no doubt there's a little bit of revengeance there. And for women who've been abused, uh, I got to say that's a little tempting, but, um, but it's not the way to get things done. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, I've never heard anybody speak the phrase and I've never read it, but I, I believe that it exists. This is all making me really think about a spiritual dimension to gender in the Jungian archetypes. Mm. And so you have positive and Jung talked about this and, and you have positive male archetypes that are not necessarily what, you know, what you would call toxic masculinity. You have the, you have a warrior archetypes who are not toxic masculine either. Mm -hmm. You have, old wise men you have uh you know all these different positive male archetypes i think he thought a lot of these problems with society had to do with which archetypes were dominant then on the female side in the the anima you have uh i guess what would be like the the over motherly suffocating uh you have the old hag archetype uh, the this old you know witchy lady who's just like ne- have, negative archetype yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's, so that would be to me like the toxic fe- feminine side oh man I uh, I really got to say if you don't read tarot you really should like your understanding of um, <laughs> if I can just if I may I don't read it I I, I got a nice old edition of the uh, let me find it what is it it's the just one minute. I, I just wanted to say that that kind of little part there from Surfiel is why I love having him on this show. Because that, I can never imagine I I could have never imagined that coming out of Luke's mouth. <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> <I'm not even laughs> yeah, that, that, uh, I got my oh, dude. I just want to go to Taco Bell, bro. Did you just talk about Neil Young. What? But that's the thing. So, but if we're talking about, you know, if if you do think there's anything to young, if if people don't want to just throw out young, then they're like, oh, we need to, you know, if if we need to deconstruct and destroy gender binary, it's like, well, is this really is young real? Are there these deep archetypes that are male and female, and it, there is a bifurcation there? I mean, is that real? Are we? It does a lot of this mean that people are throwing out this idea because I, I think a lot of it is real. Yeah, you know, could be like Genesis be origin and just become one. Become one, yeah. Become one soul or whatever. I I've got a pictorial key to the huh. turret. You've got by weight. Got a weight, yeah. So and uh, this is uh, yeah. it's a 1959 edition. I highly recommend if you are ever interested in putting that pictorial key to use, you might actually really appreciate picking up the Centennial deck. Uh, okay. They've got a borderless edition now too. That's almost like a poker card size, which is great for shuffling and just handling. But yeah, I'm, I'm interested in the symbolism. It's it's a beautiful, beautifully remastered deck uh, with the original illustrations by Pixie, uh, and they're just gorgeous, just gorgeous. Um, but yeah, and that goes along with that book. Cool, but I mean, so to get to the root of a lot of this, it's like I think that there is, it's a, it's on a spiritual level as well, and that doesn't mean necessarily you know woo woo spirituality, but you know just uh, uh, whether the mind and the unconscious 
and uh, super consciousness and, and collective consciousness, things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that all of this has to do with that realm. You know, and the sicknesses in our society really come from that. And that the key, the only key, because think about it, like all this patriarchy and all these negative things is based on, you know, old religious, cultural things that are ingrained from thousands of years. And to think that it can be replaced with just basically, you know, theoretical <laughs> ideology and stuff. I don't, uh, you know, I think the key is, is in a lot deeper, older things. Oh, yeah. I mean, some days I, I look at society that we've built and I said, we, we're just animals walking around in clothes. But uh, sometimes I feel like, you know, maybe we're, maybe we are just all, you know, social constructs. Uh, so uh, some days I feel like I fall on the young side and sometimes I don't. But, uh, mm-hmm. but the, the tarot concept really, really struck to me because you've, you've got these court cards and all, and all the tarot cards can either be read as positive or negative. Uh, just that concept, not the opposite is the negative of that card or the inverse of the card isn't necessarily opposite of that card, but rather the bad side of whatever that concept is. So you've got, so you've got like the King of Cups, right? The King of Cups is supposed to be like this, this guy who's kind of, he's figured out his emotions. He's in touch with his emotions. He's got them under control. He, uh, he is capable of feeling the depth of emotions um, and have a handle on them and unite them with his will. Okay. And that's just a quick shorthand version of the King of Cups. But if he's inverted is the negative side of that. It's not that it's just the reverse. He doesn't have emotions at all. But rather, oh, he's overwhelmed with his emotions. He's, he can be, um, you know, passive aggressive. You know, he can be, um, uh, he can he can take too much on himself and and not give himself room to breathe. You know, it's he can drown in his emotions. Um, so those kind of concepts of, it's, you've got these these archetypes. You know, the male, the masculine, and the feminine playing out in the deck, because of course this was you know the classic tarot decks that we're familiar with right now uh were all kind of written or drawn back in you know medieval times so there are these concepts of femininity and masculinity that don't always translate well now but um but that's immediately what came to mind to me because the 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 opposite isn't necessarily true but it's sometimes just being overwhelmed with the negative side of these things so the negative right. side of femininity is not that you're just the opposite of feminine, but that you, in an archetypal sense, perhaps become too consumed with reflecting back whatever you think other people want to see in you, or right. um, being too overwhelmed with emotion, or, um, right. you know, that sort of thing. I'm just rambling again. Sorry, I got on tarot. No, it, it makes sense. It's deep shit. Which, by the way, if anybody wants a tarot cool cool yeah definitely we should do one on the uh on the air <laughs> yeah i'll do another i've done a couple on the air actually it, it's some different uh some different shows um but i uh, for the patrons man. Yeah, yeah let's uh let's get into let's get into silent sam oh sam because i mean you you do have a unique perspective on this because you went to University of North Carolina, Chapel Tar-Hill Hill. Born and Tar Hill bred, and when I die, yep. I'm a Tar Hill dead. 
Ra, Ra, what they say. Rah, rah, Carolina, Lina. Rah, rah, Carolina, Lina. Go to hell, Duke. So I know that this has been a controversy for a while on that campus. Like, um, ever since it was came... erected. <laughs> <laughs> this whole thing came up. When was that? A couple of years ago when they were taking down all the statue? No, last year with the whole Charlottesville thing. So this became a controversy then, and I don't think anything was done. So, um, but one question though, did the students tear it down or did the university tear it down? Okay. I wasn't clear on that. All right. So let's back up a bit. Um, I went to school there. I graduated in 2003. I guess that tells you my age a little bit. I graduated there um, in 2003. And I remember when I was a freshman on campus, they were hitting up everybody for signatures to get that thing down. They've been trying to get that thing down since it was put up. Uh, so this is not new. It but, was put up when? Oh, I want to say 1918. I know they proposed it in like 1905 or 1908 or something like that. It was just at the turn of the century. And the daughters of the Confederacy did this whole push. Um, and uh, the uh, the university didn't pay for it. Uh, they didn't want to pay for it. They didn't want to get involved. And so actually the so, daughters one question again. their own funds and they got them from the alumni. So Silent Sam is supposed to be, he doesn't represent anybody. He's just kind of a um, actually, generic. He was actually based off of an actual soldier's visage, his actual uh, face and everything. Okay. The actual man, I cannot remember his name, uh, but he was a student at UNC. And he was supposed to, Silent Sam was supposed to represent all the students who came from UNC who fought for the South who lost their lives. And so he was supposed to be a memorial to the students of UNC who died in the war. Um, and he's gotcha. called Silent Sam because uh, he has no ammunition. Um, he has a, you know, he has all his gear or whatever, but he has no ammunition. So, um uh. That's why he's called. But of course, as every freshman knows, when they come in and they learn all the lore about all the landmarks there, the the, the myth was that whenever a virgin would walk by, his gun would go off, and of course his gun never <laughs> goes off. So <laughs> there are no virgins walking past Silent Sam. Oh, uh, hardy, 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 hard. Um, <clears throat> that's why he's called Silent Sam. Uh, Is that toxically masculine? I know. <laughs> They're all whores. So, uh, so yeah. Um, but getting back to uh, the issue recently, it, uh, in 2015, the North Carolina General Assembly made it illegal for any statues of anything to be removed or even to be moved without special... Uh, special permission from the historic committee. Okay. So now you couldn't have cities coming together and be like, yeah, we actually, we don't really want this anymore. We, the citizens of this city do not want this statue anymore. Or we just don't even want it here in the middle of this town center. Maybe we can move it somewhere else. We can put it in a museum. We can do whatever. Uh, they weren't allowed to do that anymore. So 2015 general assembly decided, yeah, no, putting the kibosh on that you got to have special permission from this group of people that we've we've said you have to have permission from. so at that point um the university of course wasn't allowed to remove it 
even though it's on university property. Um, and the, the, the citizens of Chapel Hill couldn't remove it, even though they're the ones who pay the taxes. Uh, and the students couldn't remove it, even though they're the, they're the ones who pay to be there. So nobody could remove it, even though they tried and they tried and they tried. They kept, they kept trying to vote in people who would be on the council, the historical commission, so they could get the people in who would let them remove it. And it just kept seeming to never work out. So finally, uh, I don't know what the impetus was for this, but um, was it four days ago that it was? How long ago was it? Maybe it was last week. It was, it was sometime last It was last week. It was like last Monday, I think. Yeah. Or last um, Tuesday, actually, yeah. So they toppled the darn thing. Not sad to see it go, personally. Um, I know, huge shocker. But, um, so they removed it, and there were arrests. They arrested Okay, so who, who okay, so the students, students. did remove it. Students removed okay. it. The All university right. actually uh, put out a, um, an official letter saying... Actually, it was the Alumni Association put out an official letter, I believe it was. Uh, and they said pretty much like, you know, we couldn't, the student body did what we were legally bound we couldn't do. So kudos to them, <laughs> you know. Uh, so what's going to happen to the statue now? Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of debate about that because there's a rule in that 2015 statute that says that if you do want to remove a statue um, so that you can do construction without damaging it or if it's in the way of something and you want to keep make sure it's preserved, it must be returned to its original location within, I think it's something like 20 days or something like that. Uh, and so a lot of people are saying, well, no, we've, we, you know, by law, we have to put that thing back up in 20 days. But it wasn't removed for either of those reasons. So that law doesn't really apply. Um, so there's some debate on how to interpret that law right now. Is it going to be put right back up? If it is, I'm sure it's not going to stay up long. Just Let's just be real. Um, and if not, where does it go from here? Uh, I think it's best placed in a museum. If they do end up putting the darn thing back up, and we're not going to tear it down every time, I feel like <laughs> what might be best, is a, a suggestion that I read online. I, I wish I could uh, credit the person that I read it from, but I, I can't remember who wrote it. But perhaps the best way to have this replaced back where it was originally uh, put up would be to, in fact, have uh, secondary statues put all around it to give it some historical context, um, and just have some more have some more statues or memorials put up around it and have some plaques around it let's let's you want history okay let's give some people some history because when that statue was erected um i forget his title but a gentleman by the name of Carr did the speech for mm -hmm. its erection and he specifically stated that this was to honor the fine men who protected the anglo-saxon white heritage he specifically said that and he followed that up with an anecdote about how not, not just a few feet from where Silent Sam stood, he whipped, uh, and I'm going to be, this is going to be graphic, he whipped a black woman till her skirts were in shreds because she said something sassy to a white woman. Yeah, the, the, the terminology he used was Negro winch. Yeah, Negro winch. Yeah. 
How's that for historical context? Maybe we should put that entire speech up next to silencing. I think when we talk about like, oh, we're destroying history. What are we going to do? Start tearing down statues to Christopher Columbus? Yeah, let's do that too. We don't need statues get, to remember. Get the Italians mad at you. The Sopranos yeah. are going to be mad. We don't need <laughs> statues to remember history. We we don't take we don't do history classes in front of statues. Okay, that's not where we do our learning. Well, nobody cares about history anyway until exactly. the statues get torn down. So that's kind of that's uh, so that's, that's a whole my, other issue. That's my rant. You got it. That's my rant. You have to so <laughs> to me, uh, <laughs> I've. I've always viewed this at a distance because I don't have any family from the South, although I'm pretty much officially Southern now. I've been here since 1995. It is, the South has thoroughly changed me. Welcome to heaven, sir. Um, yeah, yes, ma'am. <laughs> um, Get your but, mint julep. But still, I view it at a, at, at a distance, I feel like. Sure. Now, there's, there's also now something I don't have as much distance from there is statue debates going on in New Mexico with um, I think in Santa Fe there's a few statues that were erected of uh, celebrating Spanish colonization and when they were erected it was during the Chicano movement and is seen as a source of uh, Chicano pride and now but the the tribes in New Mexico, Native Americans, are objecting to these along the same kind of grounds. Yeah. And it's creating a big wedge in some of the communities, which are, you know, very close. Um, but that isn't as distant to me because I have family from from that, from both sides of that. Um, and I don't know how I feel about that entirely. Um so what would you say to, I mean, how, how are we going to resolve these, this issue? And what do you say to the, the people saying that it's erasing history? And I think particularly when it's done by mobs, <laughs> that's when it really bothers people though. And people get freaked out. Like this is a, you know, when it's not done yeah, through. Because there is that vision there that we have kind of grown up, or at least I did grew up with when the Soviet Union fell, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they toppled the statues of Lenin. They and, chopped the crosses and, off. And got, you know, they, 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 that meant that the new order was now in charge. You know, the old order was gone. And so that's kind of a symbol when you know, Iraq invaded. We, we invaded Iraq. Mm-hmm. And they did that whole little photo op where they toppled the statue of Saddam Hussein. Regime so, change. You know, this is. This is yeah. This is this idea, and there are people that get uncomfortable with that because that's how they view this whole idea that we are removing these Confederate statues, at least here in the South. Oh yeah, I mean, um, next thing you know, they'll be throwing tea over a ship. Well, and it's like this, this, uh, but this generation has passed, and we we do understand that a lot of that revivalism of the Confederate battle flag of these monuments was during what was relatively recent. They're not monuments from right after the civil war. And it really was, uh, had, you know, racist. No, they're not. Yeah. But this generation has gone by now and people, a lot of these people who are, who are retelling a lot of history and, you know, they're like, Oh, well, no, these are for 
the Confederate dead. This is just a monument for a, a battle that took place in America that are combatants who are American who died. And, you know, for political ideas that have lived on that are expressed today still. So, well, you know, I don't know how to get, I've, you know, I've, I've had, I have friends on, on both sides of this. I'm, yeah. I'm very, very, feel very strongly on both sides. I, of this. I can, I can see it. I can see it that in the context of a battlefield yeah where yeah. that is that in people say well these belong in a museum well that is a museum or a cemetery essentially yes. yeah or something it's, some it's situated something. right there on the entrance to campus from Franklin Street like the main drag yeah. right there the business district when you walk onto campus it's almost an, it, the most common entrance into campus is right there next to Silent Sam and like you said, it was done for a reason at a time for a reason that mm-hmm. did have very yeah. strong. A lot of these, a lot of these statues were erected anywhere between 1890 until around probably 1920. That probably done. be the time period that they were they were put in. So you have two things that are happening there. You have the South kind of winning the political struggle of reconstruction as able and able to put segregation into into play firm segregation um and then you also in the 19 teens you have this resurgence of white supremacy yeah so you have this resurgence of the clan a lot of it due to the film birth of a nation in 1915 and right after that, you have this meeting at Stone Mountain where the Klan basically is refounded and becomes really strong into the 1920s. And so in this, t- in this time period, that's when you see the statues going up. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely the symbol of, of white supremacy, but... I think that it's okay when it's in the battlefields because they're in the right context. I was say, a context. You know, and honestly, but I don't even when it's find, in a city, it's a little yeah, different. It's in the city yeah. center. And, um, and I, the people uh, in the city should be able to decide if they want it or not. It, it, except for the North Carolina General Assembly apparently decided that that was not okay. Um, that's my well, North Carolina is a weird place people, anyway. All these Republicans... All these Republicans who scream for, you know, the rights of the people, you know, get the, tell the government get their hands off our rights. Where the heck are they through all this? Where were they when the 2015 law was passed? That no, you have to get, I, I and my city have to go up to Raleigh and get their special permission to say what's in our town square? Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Not a peep, not a peep out of Republicans. Not a Well, no, of course not. It was the same. It was the same thing with the bathroom bill, right? Because that was that was an imposition, uh, and <laughs> there was no oh small government. We need a small government. Well, we well, we just use government to enforce it. Yes. So, yeah, they 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 spout that off whenever when it's convenient. It's it suits them. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <sighs> We should run the. We should be running the nation, you and me and and Serfiel and Rob. Too, I don't know about that. Way. We should no way. Uh, uh. <laughs> I don't want any part of it. 
Luke, if he's feeling I mean, up I, to it, but he would just I, defer I, to Rob. So I am conflicted about it. I'm just conflicted about the whole thing. You know, I mean, I have an ancestor that fought in the Confederacy. Okay, sure, most of us do. Yeah, I do too. And that that was, you know, but. And I when I went last year to uh, the Manassas battlefield up in Virginia, there was this lady sitting up there doing some homework or something, and she starts talking to me about how people were saying, well, they want to take the statues out of the battlefield. And I told her, I said, yeah, no, I don't think that's right. The battlefield where is where they belong. Yeah. You know, this is, this is, this is where the, the stuff happened. But people will take things to – always take things to an extreme. Yeah. We had something happen here – at the Hermitage, uh, close to where I live, uh, there's somebody desecrated Andrew Jackson's grave, you know? Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think that, that uh, Sir Fiel is right. Yeah. When he says that, yeah, that people see this, they see it as a mob. Yeah. Uh, the, the, if, if it's a mob mentality, that's seen as a negative thing. Mysterious but then again, mobs. what are they going to do when they can't actually remove it? And then the school said, oh, well, we're glad it's gone because we wanted it removed, too. But we couldn't because our hands are tied. Yeah, they can't do a darn thing. Here's here's what I see probably oh. happening. It's going to be moved somewhere. This is what happens in most cities in North Carolina, where I'm from. It, where I'm from is a little town called Stem, They're going to put it in your backyard. Which put it in your backyard. Yeah, like in Oxford, which is the closest city to us. It's the county seat of Granville County. Um. In Oxford, there used to be a statue to the Confederate dead in the smack dab in the middle of town, right there in a, in like a roundabout kind of situation uh, in, a, in the main intersection right there in the business district. And uh, they decided, you know what? We kind of don't feel like this is a probes. Let's move this. So they moved it to in front of the library, which is a few blocks away. And I feel like the library is a perfect place for it. That's a place of learning where you learn about history um, it's almost like a museum. I feel like, and, and, and by that context, perhaps Silent Sam should be somewhere on campus. But if, okay, so if you want to put them on campus, I say put some context around them. You know, post a plaque with Mr. Carr's speech on it, you know? So we have a context of what this, we don't need to enshrine these ideas. We need to learn about them. We need to know about them, but we don't need to give them special places of power. I think that the current mythos of of the Confederacy in the minds of a lot of people though is is really is centered around the tragedy that it mm, the lost cause that it couldn't be. Yeah, so I think it's especially sensitive because it's such uh tragic uh you know the antebellum is like this Edenic image of them it's this lost world this yeah. over these you know that these were individualist it's it's a I mean, really, it's it's there's a lot of feudal values, and that's where our honor culture comes from. Here, I mean, it's is chivalry. You know, it was a feudal society. Yeah, we always, you know, and and we always though have the tendency to look at history and say, well, everything was so much better back then. Mm-hmm. You look at what's going on now. Oh yeah, where people, you know, the the whole "Make America Great Again" thing, where they say, well, things were so much better back in the '80s, man. You know, life was so good and. And it, 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 but people have this, they have this distorted view of what life was like. Mm-hmm. And the further you go from a time period, the more people see, well, you know, they have that, 
an even more distorted view. Well, like all the people I know from the mid-century, like a lot of family members and stuff, they don't they don't acknowledge how socialistic America was. You know, they like yeah. half of them yeah. went to school super cheap. They got crazy subsidized housing, you know, that was going on big programs that were real racist too and led to how people are segregated even today. Uh, you know, so much, you know, so much government, uh, you know, and then, of course, post-war, you know, taxes were very high. Uh, and there's, you know, people don't acknowledge that anymore. And they're, like, super right-wing people who want to, like, deconstruct things even more and take even more benefits away from people when they, you know, the, a lot of these boomers and people even older had, like, a pretty good deal, you know? Mm-hmm. Right, but there isn't the context. Like you for the said. rest of us. <laughs> yeah, Heather, um, you ought to tell us the stories um, about the school that you went to. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask. <laughs> in, in North Carolina, uh, two stories that I could think of: one about the drums, and one about the war. <laughs> Quit making the South look bad, Adam. Come on, <laughs> Just North Carolina. So, yeah, I was from the backwoods of North Carolina, okay? Uh, my parents worked really hard because the schools in Granville County were crap. So they worked really hard, and they sent me to a, a, a private school in Raleigh, uh, which is about an hour away from us. And it was Christian school. I feel a little uncomfortable stating the, the name of the school because I don't want any <laughs> blowback from this, but they all Yeah, yeah don't. don't. You, don't, have you, don't, to. Have to, you don't have to say what it was. Uh, delightful people, honestly. I, I truly believe in my heart of hearts that all those teachers there were there because they really believed in what they were doing. They were teaching children that they loved. Uh, some of them, I feel, were a little misguided philosophically and religiously. But regardless, uh, when I was at the first incarnation of the school before it split off and became another school, I was at, uh, it was high school, middle school. And um, we had a chapel service. We were t <laughs> we were gonna have a speaker. We usually did, we had a one chapel service every week on a Monday, and uh, but instead we were gonna have a special whole week full of chapel services every day, um, in which we were going to discuss the evils of rock and roll music. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this was taking up my and, and and none of us wanted to be there. Like. All the Did you talk about the influence of Aleister Crowley? No, I didn't know that name at the time, but like... Aleister Crowley. Yeah, Mr. Crowley. Um, but no, we didn't even know anything about that. But like, I, I... You know, I'm looking around the chapel. I'm looking around the sanctuary there at all the students. And we're all like falling asleep. We're, we're like making doodles on notepads. We're like passing notes back. Nobody's paying attention to this crap. But the, the speaker was was really into it okay he was he was talking about the uh the thing that stuck out to me that you referenced there was the drum so he was to say that the origins of rock and roll music which he's partly true does come from african-american traditions but what he turned this into was super racist he was saying that this evil rock and roll music was from the drum beats of africa the evil that's old that's like the 50s stuff against rock and roll yeah. mm -hmm. 
That's an old line. Oh, wow. yeah, it is. I, I, and and I encountered it again later, but, like, that was the first I had heard of it. <laughs> like, we're, you know, as soon as he said that phrase, you know, evil African drum beats, you know, we all look at each other snickering, like, you believe this guy. Um, well, there might, I mean, hey, a lot, the voodoo system does have very particular rhythms that do exist in rock and roll. It's and all the, the rhythms and the traditions actually, actually meant things and had actual cult occult uh significance to them so he might be right in maybe some it's ways. at 440 hertz <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing you referenced uh the wall um hold on let me get my mint julep and sit on the porch um yeah so i had this teacher we'll call him mr w i loved this guy i mean he was a hoot and again, like I really feel like he he, he cared about the students, and um, but he was really out there. Like he cared about one subject and one subject only, the Civil War, and that is all he wanted to talk about. He took every chance he could in any subject he was teaching in history to turn it around and talk about the war and how it related to the war and how it affected the war. And um, but he would never call it the the Civil War. He would just call it oh the yeah. War. <laughs> oh, he didn't. He didn't call it the War of Northern Aggression. Oh yeah, he he would sometimes call it the full okay. title. But uh, he would <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the full title. <laughs> and uh, uh, War Northern Aggression. The War Northern Aggression. And, and he called all the women were Miss Friend, and all the men were Mister whatever their last name was. And uh, or you know he calls good Christian, good Christian. There's a piece of paper on the Christian floor. Could you please pick that up for the kingdom? <laughs> He was he was best and like everything was about the war, and he he would quote the Ken Burns film, you know the Ken Burns series over and over. And his his daughter was in on it. Like his daughter uh, is all grown up now, but like when she was a kid, she would you know he would tell stories about his. He goes and my daughter came in after dinner last night and said, "Daddy, can we watch the war?" And I said, "We <laughs> may." <laughs> Miss Friend, Miss Friend, are you paying that's, attention? That's, that's great, man. That's. And I had a teacher in high school who kept a uh, the wall. He out on his desk. He he had a Bible and a copy of uh, Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. Wow. At least it wasn't mine, cop. I mean, he asked us, and then he asked us when. He, I remember him asking us about the Illuminati. If we knew what the Illuminati was one day, too, I remember that. <laughs> what did you respond? Did you respond to anything? Oh, yeah. I talked all about it. I think he's a pretty big uh, Shriner and stuff. And he he was working on me. He called me, uh, told me to stay after class one day. And he was like, son, you know, you're you're smarter than half, most of these scatterbrains, even the teachers. He said, you know, that guitar, you go down here in Nashville, it's all you'll see is people up and down the street playing that guitar. You're smarter than that. He's, he's trying to get me to give up on music and join the Illuminati, I guess. So. <laughs> so, could have had an yeah. end, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Heather, thank you so much. This has been really awesome. I love, uh, love thank talking you. Thank to you for kind of filling it. Absolutely. Thank you for filling in the last moment. <laughs> Uh, tell everybody about your tarot stuff and Thank where you, you can be contacted and your book binding. Yeah, so uh, we spoke about tarot earlier. I, I do 
professional tarot readings if anyone is interested. It's it's Shuffle and Cut Tarot at um, askshufflecut.wixsite.com slash tarot. Or you can check out Shuffle and Cut on Facebook or ask.shuffle.cut at gmail.com. And I'd be happy to do some reading for you. You can just ask me some questions about tarot itself. Awesome. Well, close out the show for us, will you? With us? Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, guys, we'll be back next week. I've got a very interesting guest coming on talking about a book, Bernie Taylor, talking about Before Orion. So I'm really, uh, really excited about this, going through this book right now. It's going to be an interesting little. I think where he's trying to kind of refute some of the arguments that's made by both the ancient aliens and by the Atlantis crowd school of thought. So I think it will be pretty cool. And uh, hopefully Rob will be back with us next week. He won't be sick. He'll be, uh, he'll recover from his hangover. And Serfiel, tell everybody where they can find your Valley of the Turkey, of the Tiki Beats. (laughs) Turkey Beats. Turkey Beats. (laughs) First, first of all, um, we really need some support at patreon.com slash conspiranormal. Um, we're trying to keep the lights on, you know, when we got to improvise and, and studio B isn't as well as equipped as, uh, as Rob's, uh, underground bunker. So, uh, anything, <laughs> anything you can do helps. You can do one-time donations as well. Conspiranormal.com. Um, you can check out my uh, instrumental exotica hip hop album Valley of the Tiki Beats at valleyofthetikibeats.com or any streaming platform or digital store. Uh, limited edition cassettes are also available at newbanghiphop.bandcamp.com. That's right, cassettes, everybody. Oh, it's cassettes. great though. It sounds awesome. Remember those? <laughs> hey, don't Thank forget you. if you don't want to if you don't want to do Patreon, people can also just leave a review, and that really helps out too. And in fact, Heather did our ever first review. I sure enough did. <laughs> yep, five years ago or whatever that was. All right, uh, guys, join us next time on Conspiranormal. Conspiranormal. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. 
Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com.